welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Go ahead and be seated for a few moments this morning. Didn't the worship team do a phenomenal job? They're just coming in hot with that song. I love that song. And uh, just all the, man, all, all the feels this morning. I don't know how to, how am I going to? I'm going to minister at this point. If I look too hard in this direction, it makes me want to get teary-eyed. But it's a beautiful day. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for what the Lord is doing. When I say this house, I'm speaking of you, of course. I'm not talking about the walls. I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing in this house in you because we are the church. And I just want to, right off, the, right off the bat from the very beginning this morning, I just want to declare that your best days are the ones that are ahead of you. And that's why he says in Isaiah 43, don't even look at the past. Forget the former things. Forget the old things. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Somebody say a new thing. And I love that the writer goes on to take note that the Lord says, do you not perceive it? Do you not understand it? I think sometimes we can get so stuck where we are that we're no longer making ourselves available to see and to know that the best days are the ones that's ahead. That there's a good ground of our future. And I just want to take a couple moments this morning and just speak to you from that, from, from, from that place of the good ground of your Future. We've been teaching these last several weeks on good ground, and we've been illustrating uh, this time uh, that, uh, of this teaching through Mark chapter 4, and, and there's several parables that's talking about a sower, and in each parable, uh, Jesus, he, he, is, he is showing us the importance of why we're not just supposed to sow, but why we're supposed to allow seed to go into good ground. And it's important to note, and we talked about it last week, that, that, that the good ground, first and foremost, should be the soil of your heart. Because everything from your heart is just an extension. Your hand is an extension of your heart. The thoughts you think your head is an extension of your heart. For the Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it starts in the heart. Out of the heart comes forth the issues of life. If you don't like the issues that are around you, what is the issues that's within you? And so we've been talking about good ground, and, in, and last week we talked about the good ground of your heart, but I want to talk to you about the good ground of your future. Is that okay? For our few moments that we have this morning together, I want to talk to you about the good ground of your future as our children are going back to, the, to, to school. Some have already started this past week. My children started back school this past week. Any of your kids went back to school this past week? Yeah, for me, I'm saying amen. Thank you, Jesus. Because they're getting educated, right? That's why I'm saying amen. My little boy just turned two years old. I, I shared that uh, last week, but it, this was his first year going to school. Yeah, aw. Aw. Can I tell you, there is something about when you walk into your house between the hours of 8 and 3 of silence that I have not had in a very long, long, long time. I love my children. I, they're, they're awesome. 
they, they, man, I'll tell you, they're growing so quickly. The time is just moving along so fast, but, but, but I'm so excited, you know, about them going back to school. But, you know, I'm thinking about this, 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 this school year that is starting, not just for my children, but for the children, for the faculty, this, this season that we're getting ready to initiate. Uh, think about it. We're almost in the last quarter of the year, church. Can you, can you imagine? We're, we're at the end of August. Then comes September. And then here we are. We're in the, getting ready for the last quarter of the year. But I want to tell you what. The way that we end the year is going to be so much greater than the way that we started the year. You know why? Because your future matters. And what the Lord's about to do in this next season, posture, prepare your hearts. Because I'm declaring the best is yet to come. Everything that maybe have felt like it's been held up, I'm declaring in the mighty name of Jesus that it's going to be shook free going into this last quarter. I'm I'm declaring over your life you're going to see the greatest breakthrough, the greatest favor, the greatest release of God in your life, in your family, in our children, in your marriages, in our community, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am just saying, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing because now is the hour and now is the time that the church is rising up. And we are going to see God do greater in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? And so I want to just speak to you from that heart, from that place uh, of the good ground of, of, of your future. It's not today's title, but, but that's the heart in which I want to communicate from. But if you can help me out, let's turn to uh, uh, Genesis this morning. And we're going to take a look at Genesis. We're going to start in chapter 12. We're going to read a couple of verses in in chapter 12, and then uh, we're going to read a few verses in chapter 13. And so I want us just to take a quick look there. And this is something the Lord has just been putting on my heart. The last couple of weeks I've been studying and reading through the life of Abraham. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, that guy is radical. Talk about radical faith. I'm talking about some serious, crazy, radical faith. Faith. I mean, brother was given a promise at 75, and he hung on for 25 years, not 100. He saw the promise manifest. I mean, that's some serious faith. 25 years to see what the Lord promised. What did the Lord promise him? The Lord promised that he would make him a great nation, and that through his son and through that lineage, he would establish generationally the line that would lead to Christ. And he's noted as the father of many nations. But that's not what I want to talk necessarily about. I don't want to talk uh, particularly about uh, him and, 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 his, and his son that would, to, to, would be the one to come, Isaac. I want to talk about the earlier point in Abraham's life when the Lord first encountered him. And in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of the country from your family and from your father's house into the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. How many know it's not just about me getting the blessing, but the purpose is so that we can be a blessing. Amen? It's not what the Lord can just get to you. It's what he can get through you so that you can reach your world with life. Someone's waiting on you right now, by the way. Someone's waiting on your testimony. Someone's waiting on, on, on your ability to be able to speak to the greatness of God. And so it's important that 
we do life with the Lord, we walk with the Lord as we see that Abraham has so that he can, that, that, that as he steps into his blessing, it's the same thing for us that we can step into our blessing because the Lord has a blessing for your life, an empowerment for your life, a strength for your life because your future is good ground. Your future it matters. And so he goes on and he says, and, and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4 says this, so Abram departed. He didn't even haggle with God. He just peaced out. The Bible says that he departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. This is his nephew. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom that they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan, so they came to the land of Canaan. Now here's where I want us to, 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 to just peek in a little bit more, if we can just get a little focus on here. It says, and Abram passed through the land. Y'all see that? It says that he passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared. This is the first appearance, by the way, of the Lord in the Bible. This is Jesus in flesh, in the present, before Abraham. It's the first time the Lord appears when Adam was in the garden, it was the Lord's presence and it was the Lord's voice that was with Adam. Same thing with Noah, but this is the first time the Lord shows up on the scene. He appears to Abraham and he says, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now look at this, verse 8, this is interesting. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Now this is very, very interesting because the Lord speaks to Abram and he says, listen brother, it's time for you to get out from where you are because the future of what I have for you is going to be huge. It's going to be great. In fact, your eye hasn't seen and your ear hasn't heard and your heart hasn't even comprehended the things that I have prepared for you. And I just even want to take a moment there as Corinthians makes that statement, as Paul writes that, he says, this is that eye hasn't seen, an ear hasn't heard, nor even entered into your heart what God has for you. What God has for you is so big, it's so great, that your natural senses can't even comprehend it because that's the greatness of our God. But what we need to do is we got to tap into God's frequency, into God's wavelength. We got to walk with the Lord. We got to be one with the Lord so that we can be tuned into what God has prepared for us. It's not that he doesn't want you to see it. It's not that he doesn't want you to have it. But he wants you to do life with him so closely that as you're one with the Lord in your walk that you begin to see the things that he's prepared for you. And so the Bible, it says that Abram was told, get out of your country. Now, if we can just focus on this, the Lord's not telling Abram, I'm giving you an eviction notice. But the word get out, it actually comes from the Hebrew word. Now, I've got my cousins here with me, and my cousin Kenny, who is a pastor, is a world-renowned Hebrew scholar. So he might correct me on this, but I don't think he will. But the word get out, it comes 
from the Hebrew word yalak. Yalak. And the word yalak means to walk. It means to walk. Am I right? Thank you, Lord. I'm amongst great witnesses right now. People are watching all online. I don't want to be incorrect. But the word yalak, it means to walk. And the Lord is saying, Abram, you need to go take a walk. Now here's the thing. Abram's been living in the land of Haran, which is roughly 400 miles away from the land that the Lord promised him where he would dwell, where, where, where he would make his name great, where he would bless him, where he would be a blessing, where nations would stem from. It's roughly 400 miles. And you've got to understand in those days, people didn't just take an Uber and drive 400 miles. People didn't just fill up their truck with gas and go on a road trip. It's not like how we drive and navigate and go through life today. They would have have had to pack up their entire livelihood, all of their possessions, all of their belongings, and everyone who was in their caravan, which by the way, Abram had 300 soldiers under his watch. So that's not including the rest of his family, not including the servants, not including all the people that assisted his ability to live in the way that he was living, which by the way, Abram lived a pretty excellent life. He, he was very affluent. He was, he, he was very blessed already. He already had great increase. And I'm, if I can just stop there for a second, I don't care what level of increase you're already at. The Lord can do more, by the way. The Lord wants to do more. In fact, you're the one that, that caps your ability to see God do greater. And so, the Lord is telling Abram, I'm going to move you from this, from this area called Haran to a place called Canaan. It's about 400 miles. And, and in those days, you were lucky to travel about five miles a day on foot. Because you have to walk all your cattle. You're going at a slow, steady pace. You had a lot of people, a lot of belongings, a lot of things. And if he was only able to accomplish about five miles a day of a 400-mile journey. I mean, we're talking that this walk was a couple of months at a steady pace. At a steady pace. This, this journey from where he was to where the Lord was taking him would have taken months. It could have taken almost a year for all that we know. The Bible's not specific, but, but we can quickly gather that it takes time for them to move from one place to the next because this is not a a short journey on foot, but the point that I want to present to you this morning is the fact that Abram walked with the Lord. This was a walk with the Lord. And sometimes we want to do these quick sprints with God to quickly get to the, to the end result, to quickly get to the future, but the Lord is saying, can you just walk with me? See, some of us, we don't see the wonders of God because we're not willing to walk with the wonder of God. And we're wondering, God, where are you? And God is saying, I'm about 100 paces behind you. Can you just walk with me? There's something about a walk with the Lord. There's something about being hand in hand. There's something about not, not, not just getting out of, the, of, of his country that he was in, but saying, Lord, I trust you. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? With, with trust in the Lord with all of your being. Lean not to the crutch of your mindset, of your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge who? Him, and he's the one that's making the path straight, the path to your future, the path to the good ground that he has for your life. And so we see that Abraham, at this point he still is Abram, he hasn't even been given the name Abraham, 
yet. He still is Abram. He's walking with the Lord over an extended period of time, getting close, drawing close to the Lord. And the Bible even it says here in verse 4, so Abram departed. Abram locked his way out of his own homeland and started making his way to the place of promise. I'm here to encourage you this morning, church. There is a place of promise that the Lord has for your life. And so as Abraham is traveling, it says that he arrives at Shechem. He builds an altar. He makes a sacrifice and sows seed before the Lord in the form of of, of an altar sacrifice and worships the Lord. And the Lord begins to encourage him that this is the place. But here's the thing that I wanted you to take note of. Verse 8. Verse 8 says this, after the Lord appears to him, he moved. Now, maybe I'm not understanding this, but if someone promises you something, possibly a new home, and they lead you to that home, and they walk you through that home, and they say, all of this entire house is all yours. Here's the keys. Dwell in it. And let this be the place that, that, you, that, that, that you are living and dwelling and, and being. And they say, this is all your, would you move away from that? No. And I'm looking at this and I'm blown away because the Lord leads him to the place. He says, this is what I have for you. And yet he moves to the mountain. Shortly after that, there's a famine. And Abraham and his family, they, they moved to Egypt. And there's a whole encounter between him, his wife, Pharaoh. He says, listen, i got to protect myself right now. Sarai, you're a pretty good-looking woman. Oh, by the way, just to give you some reference and context. So Abraham's 75, and his wife is 10 years younger. She's 65. And then when they go to Egypt, all of the guys are sweating on the 65-year-old woman. So I'm just helping out some of the ladies in the house this morning. Well, I'm not as young as I used to be. Sarah was 65 years old. Brothers were leaning over the banister. Who is this? Abram's saying, listen, you're my sister. You're not my my wife in this scenario. Because if they know that you're my wife, they're going to kill me and get you. Abram was doing pretty good. (laughs) If an entire nation was after his wife. And so they're in Egypt and... Can, some time passes on and, and Pharaoh finds out that they're actually married and she's not his sister. And he says, what are you doing? Plagues have come to my house. You need to get out of here. And so he tells Abram, get out. So Abram leaves. And here's what I want to pick up quickly in verse, uh, or in chapter 13. And here's what I want to give, give you a thought. Just, to, just to, I want to drop a nugget in your spirit this morning. And the Bible says in, in chapter 13 that Abram went back to the place that he had last built the altar, the place where he had pitched his tent. The place where he had pitched his tent was in the mountain. It wasn't directly in the area that the Lord promised for his life and for his future. And so he goes back to this, this place and we find out in verse 14. The Bible says this in verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot, his nephew, had separated from him, he says this. In verse 14, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see. Somebody say, all the land. 
For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. Not for a moment, not for a second, not when everything is just going okay. Forever. He says, for all the land which you see, as far as your eye can see from the north, the south, the east, the west, as far as your eye can see, this is the future that I have for you forever. Reminds me of that line out of, what's the baseball movie? Sandlot, forever. Only a 90s baby will get that. He says, forever. And I'll make your descendants like the dust of the earth, so that if man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. He says, arise, walk through the land. See, some of y'all are just looking at your promise, and you ain't getting up close to it. I don't know about you, but if the Lord says, hey, this is what I have for you, I'm going to be all up in that mess. I'm going to be checking it out. I'm going to be examining it. I've shared this pretty adamantly with, with y'all, but my wife and I, we've been in a season right now that we're looking to the future of what the Lord has in our next house. So you better believe every time there's an open house, I'm going through that place. I'm looking at every single little thing. I'm even looking down to see what kind of toilet paper that previous owner has got stocked in that house. I want to know what is going on in this place. No stone unturned, because if this is what you promised for me, I want to know all about it. See, that's the thing. Some of y'all just want to know a little bit about it, and I want to know all about it. Lord, if you said that it was mine, if this is what you've promised for my future, I want it all. I said I want it all. You should want it all. So he says, arise, verse 17, walk in the land through it, its length, its width. I give it to you. Then Abram, here it is. Abram moved his tent. There's something about getting in position. You can be doing all the right things, but in the wrong places, and never see the future that the Lord wants you to possess. Growing up, I played baseball. I had a phenomenal swing. I'm not boasting on me. It's what the Lord gave me as a gift. I could hit the baseball well. But there was a season where I was struggling, and I thought maybe my swing wasn't good. Maybe I'm not, my mechanics are off. Maybe I need more practice. And I had a coach that just told me, you're out of position. You need to get a little closer to home plate so that when the ball comes, you can do the right thing in the right position and get the result that I know can take place. See, some of y'all need to do the right thing in the right place if you want to see the result that the Lord has. It's something about positioning. There's something, and we talked about that earlier this year. we got to be in position in order to see the promises that the Lord has. Not for them to come to life. Oh, they're there. But for us to be able to take hold of what God has. And so Abram was just looking at the right things, but he was in the wrong place. And the Bible says that he moved his tent. Some of you just need to move your tent. You didn't move your tent. You know why? Because when you move your tent, you're in a different place that you can see differently. It's a different vantage point. Many of you heard my father. He makes this statement, and we've, we share it because I, I believe it's such a beautiful, uh, life-giving just illustration or understanding. But he says that, that my ceiling becomes the next generation's floor. 
He says, my ceiling becomes the next generation's floor. And if that's true, I can't see the same way as a previous generation. It means I have to go to a greater height so that I can have a better vantage point, so that I can see differently. And some of you have allowed yourself to remain in the position of what was rather than getting in the position of what should be. And you're wondering why I can't see what God wants me to see. It's about positioning. It's simply about positioning. And the Bible says in verse 14 that the Lord speaks to Abram and he says, lift your eyes. If I can just encourage you from that title line, lift your eyes eyes. Lift your eyes. Some of us just need to lift our eyes. For too long we've been looking down at our feet as we've been, been walking and the Lord's saying, that's okay, you can see one foot go in front of the other, but you can run into a wall by doing that. Lift your eyes. Jesus, in the book of John, has gone away with the disciples. They were trying to get some rest and, and reprieve. And in the middle of this moment, thousands of people come to Jesus. And the Bible says in the book of John that Jesus lifts his eyes. And he sees the people that are hungry spiritually. He sees the hunger of them physically but he would have never recognized the need until he lifted his eyes. The miracle is when you lift your eyes. Some of you are wondering, Lord, how, how is this going to lift your eyes? You need to lift the eyes of your heart, as Ephesians says. Lift the eyes of your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to give you perspective and insight. you got to lift up the way that you're looking. See, here's the thing. You cannot climb to the top of a mountain looking at your feet. You can't climb to the top of a mountain because you can't see your feet and see the peak at the same time. You got to lift your eyes. I had a, a friend of mine um, who was helping me and in, in play golf because I got a phenomenal golf swing. I really don't. I have a terrible golf swing. Hence why I have a friend that was helping me learn how to play golf. And he would tell me this. He said, before you would go up and, and, and hit your shot, step back. Look up and see where you want to place that ball. See where you want to hit it. Some of us, we're just going through the rhythm of life. We're going through life. And we're not taking time to lift our eyes and see, Lord, what do you have for the future of my good ground? The Lord has good ground for your life that he wants you to step into. But it's not going to happen until you lift your eyes. John chapter 4 there's a story in the Bible where Jesus encounters the woman at the well. Many of you remember this story. While he was there, he tells her everything about her. It's a beautiful moment. It's a moment of, 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 of restoration and healing. It's a moment where he ministers to her. And, and out of her testimony, she begins to tell all the Samaritans about Jesus. And, 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 and out of that, the people are coming to Jesus. And then the disciples, they, they roll up and they're kind of like, Jesus, why are you talking to this woman? That's against kind of the law of what we're supposed to do. And then in the same breath, they're like, Jesus, we hungry right now. Can you give us something to eat? And Jesus says, my food is doing the will of God. And he says, look up. Is there not four 
more months until the harvest, I tell you, if you lift your eyes, you will see that the harvest is white right now. I'm trying to encourage your heart and your spirit that the harvest of who the Lord wants you to reach, the lives that he wants you to impact, the people that he wants you to be a witness to, it is white right now. It is a white harvest right now because the future of what the Lord has in front of us is greater than the past that is behind us, but it's not going to happen until we lift our eyes. The Lord wants you to lift your eyes. In this season, lift your eyes and know the best is yet to come. My prayer for you this morning, whatever season of life that you're in right now, that you would lift your eyes and know that the Lord loves you. That his purpose, that his plan for your life is so great for you. He tells Abram, lift your eyes. Everything that you can see from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Father, I speak that over the church today. Lord, as far as they can see from the north, the south, the east, and the west. That was even prophesied over this house that people would come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Not for man, but for the glory and the goodness and the love and the blessing and the purpose and the plan and the future that our God has for his people. I thank you, Lord. Lift our eyes today, Father, that we can see as you desire for us to see. Lord, allow us to step in position, to get into place to get into purpose, and to know that God, the good ground of our future, it's great. I just want to just encourage you with that. It's great. I don't know what season you're going through right now. I don't know if you've suffered loss or brokenness. I don't know where you're hurting. I don't know what the hang-up is, but I'm here to tell you, lift your eyes. Lift them up to Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Lift your eyes. I don't know who's done you wrong. I don't know who's tried to come against you. I don't know what business plan has failed. I don't know what loved ones walked out on you. But lift your eyes. The best is yet to come. I don't know what struggle that you've been dealing with. I don't know what sickness has tried to plague you. But lift your eyes. The best is yet to come. I don't know what you've been struggling with emotionally and mentally. I don't know what thoughts have tried to overwhelm you to the point that you've lost sleep at night, that you're crying yourself to bed. But lift your eyes because the best is yet to come. God is for you. God is with you. God loves you this morning. God loves you today. Lift your eyes to Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.